one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah, and you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast, a weekly podcast where we dive into the ins, outs, ups and downs of work and share some insights, some ideas and some tools to help give you a little bit more confidence and control over your career development. And this is one of our final episodes of the year, and we thought we would do a year in review. Well, we thought we'd help you do a year in review. And what we are going to do in this episode today is talk through some questions that will be hopefully helpful prompts for you and your development. But we are also going to answer them. So whether you are a fan of the Squiggly Careers podcast, and thank you if you are, reviews are welcome. Um, <laughs> that would be a lovely Christmas gift. Uh, but if you're a fan and you kind of want to know what's been going on behind the scenes over the last 12 months, or whether you're brand new and you just think, oh, this would be a good time to do a bit of a reflection, then hopefully this will be a useful podcast for you. And two resources that we wanted to mention before we get started. We've got a new HBR article out which talks about how to review your year. So that's worth a read. Some of what we're going to talk about today is in there. But there's some different ideas and some new ideas in there too. So I think they're quite complementary and they're distinctive and different enough that they're both worth your time, I hope. And Helen, let's give credit where credit is due, has created a really useful, quick way of reviewing your year and previewing next year into a downloadable tool and also has done some really good different options for you depending on whether you are more visual or whether you like to write things down and also if you want to see some interesting photos of Helen it's worth downloading because she shares her four photos of the year so links to both of those will be in the show notes but you will also find them in the free toolkit on our website which is just amazingif.com and as always if you ever can't find anything just email us we're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com so for this episode, Sarah has come up with the questions that we are going to be reflecting on to review our year, and we have not shared our responses with each other. So we, you're going to be hearing it at the same time that we hear our answers, which should, which should make for some interesting, interesting chats. Yes, yeah, because you know, it's been an interesting year. <laughs> so, I mean, I did, we did, a, for the first time ever, we've done a few of these episodes, right, where we've like talked about our year I think this is the first time where we have had to have a pre-chat about the episode do we do it how do we do it how honest are we we? and we decided honest but equally we thought about some of the questions so it didn't get I don't know too bleak I was thinking I think probably this might be our third year of doing this at the end of the year and I was thinking I'd actually quite like to listen to them sequentially to to see what was on our mind at the time I don't like like listening back done yeah Yeah. probably tells you something about my attitude for these questions so let's start with the first one which I think we have done before and I do think it is quite helpful often 
you know, you talked about both reviewing and previewing. Like I remember at the start of the year, you were very clear. You were like, I want this year to be about growth and good times. So if you were describing your year in one word, has it been growth and or good times, Helen? Or you're going for a different word? I'm going for a different word, Sarah. Sure. I'm going for a different word. Uh, my word of the year is conflicted. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's better than mine, so you go first. I can't wait. Uh, My reasoning behind the word conflicted is because I have... I feel like there's just been a lot going on. So I've been conflicted in times when I've sort of wanted to be happy. Like, oh, that's going really well. But then there's been stuff going on around me, stuff with you, which I'm sure we'll come on to, which I think has been a bit hard. And it's really hard to carry those two emotions. You know, when someone is going through something really difficult, but then you've got something else that's kind of really positive that's happening. I think it's very hard to reconcile those two emotions. So I felt conflicted about that. I felt conflicted about work and family priorities at times, where, you know, there's just been a lot going on and feeling like, oh, I know I can't, give these things equal energy so where do I place it I think that's kind of been quite tricky so yes just quite not bad just a sort of tension throughout the year I felt this kind of tension in how am I feeling and where am I spending my time as a kind of a bit of a concert I don't think I've always made the right decisions and sometimes it's been a bit difficult and it's probably made it a bit harder to enjoy some of the moments and celebrate some of the sort of successes there you go conflicted what's yours Sarah so I wrote hard, right? <laughs> but I did write in brackets and grateful. Um, and I suppose to your point, that's the sort of the conflicting yes. thing. And, and so it does show that we're probably feeling the same, probably because our lives are very intertwined. We're basically sometimes partners in all sorts of different ways, um, more so than we sometimes are with our actual partners, um, because you can't help it because we, you know, we are friends anyway, and we were friends first, and we were in a company together, and it, you know, lots of things going on. And so I think, you know, for me, and yeah, I think I have mentioned it previously on the podcast before, but my dad died at the start of the year, sort of at the end of January. He hadn't been well, but it was still unexpected and obviously incredibly hard when you lose anyone and certainly someone so close to you. And so it's really hard where that it dominates you. It dominates your days. It dominates your thinking. It means you thinking about your family in lots of different ways that perhaps you weren't before. But I did get to the ungrateful because I also think the sort of reason I've made it through what has probably been the most difficult year of my life is lots of the things that I'm really grateful for. So the work that I do, the friends that I have, you, my partner, my six-year-old. And so I think, you know, sometimes the hard times remind you what you are very, very grateful for and the difference that that makes because... I can imagine an alternative reality quite easily where lots of those things you're grateful for aren't there. And then you go, well, I don't know how you'd cope. It's just hard. It would just be hard. Yeah. So I I didn't get to only hard, but it has felt hard. And, you know, you weren't very well in August and that also felt hard. And I do remember having a conversation with you going, but you do need to be okay because I do think... Otherwise, I am not going to be okay, Helen. And I was like, it felt like there's quite a lot of pressure on, on like both of us just being like... You know, the whole um, stress bucket thing that you learn about when you're becoming a mental health first aider. I've talked about it before. And essentially, the, the idea is that essentially there is only so much stress we can all take until it like overflows. And then you're like, yeah, that's it. I'm like done. Yeah. Essentially, I'm either burnt out or I don't know, just incredibly unhappy. And I think this year it sort of teetered quite high, but there was just enough, you know, almost like 
valves that you could release. Yeah, I get it. Um, right. Along it, the way. Because there's like, some amazing, like, happy moments. Like, we both turned 40 this year. That was, and I had a massive... Probably yeah. didn't mean not to, but obviously I had parties, didn't I? I had, a, yeah, yeah. had these, like, amazing parties. <laughs> I remember, yeah. like, in the middle of the year being like, oh, I had this... Like this festival in my garden, and I was friends all I came over. To, and I, I came. You get, but in my head, I was like, "And I'm going to have lung surgery in two months." You know, this oh. constant conflict between this is amazing, this is awful. <laughs> like it was a very, yeah. Funny. It's hard. It's difficult, isn't it? As well, because you also go, you almost feel a little bit guilty. I think sometimes for finding things hard. I think yes. we we both feel that. Um, we talked about guilt on the podcast quite recently, where you sort of go, "Oh, but loads of people have it loads harder." Yeah. You know, oh, I go, it's hard, but not hard compared to lots of people and I think in some ways you you are allowed to find things hard but I also find that a bit of a tension because you know you'll have some people going like oh they have like no flexibility in what they do or they don't enjoy their jobs or they're working with someone who's a nightmare manager and you're Um, like oh I've not got that or other personal things that are much much harder than you know what I've had to deal with and so that creates conflict and tension doesn't it so um yeah I mean it's been it's not a year. I think we both went. It's not a year we want to repeat, is yeah, it? Let's no, be honest. No, no. Like, we'll just put 2023 yeah. in its box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and, uh, move on to 2024. Um, one experiment and what have you discovered, Sarah? So I actually really enjoyed, we had a week where we did a podcast episode on how AI could support you with like your career and career development. And I think I started that quite sceptical and being like, oh, I'm not sure... Never. <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. a sceptic. Um, I'm not sure how useful this will be yet. I'm not sure the tech's quite there. And then I got really into it. You know, like when you go through down a rabbit hole and I was like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And quite a lot of it is better than you imagine. Mm. And it does show you as well that like playing with stuff and taking some time to do that really helps you to figure out what's useful and what's not. And so when I think about experiment, it's not one specific experiment I think it was that week ended up being a catalyst for me thinking I could be better because of this because of this AI and so don't be sort of scared of it or don't put your sort of head in the sand and hope someone else is going to figure things out for you like you need to have a go with this and recently I also experimented with putting some of that AI into my meetings some of it is really clunky still but I think as long as you accept it's clunky and you're like clearly it's not perfect yet I do think you sort of start to realise, okay, well, why would I be using that in the first place? What is it that I'm hoping for? And if it's not this, then what else could it be? And everybody's talking about AI at the moment, aren't they? And I think that can feel a bit overwhelming, you know, when it's on the front of lots of magazines and you're like... you feel like you're behind already. And there's quite a lot of, like, people use, inevitably, not very simple and straightforward descriptions. It's like, even like the word generative AI, I'm like, they're not making it easy for everybody, are they? (laughs) You know, when people are quite fearful about their jobs and stuff, I'm like... Yeah, I think people quite enjoy sometimes making things sound like lofty and inaccessible. Whereas actually a lot of it is, okay, you can just go and have a go with it. And so I've started some experiments, I think, in 2023 on that. And now I think I want to be even more intentional about how AI could help us as an organisation to support more people to make careers better for everyone. I sort of, you start to sense that the tech which is helpful that we've not had to build it, that, that people are building tech that could really help us to do a better job of what like we're here to do and our kind of mission. And so I'm excited about more experimenting in that area. What about you? I 
think an experiment that I reflect positively on is the sprint that we did in mm. August. Um, that, was and, my num- that was my number two option. Uh, and the experiment there was uh, just a different format for the podcast. So that was 20 episodes. Each episode was seven minutes. And it was the sort of this idea of creating learning momentum. And we had no idea. Whether, I mean, we were a bit like, is anyone going to listen in August? <laughs> we really didn't know whether the format it was going to work. turns out lots of people lots, are going to listen in lots August. Lots of people. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people signed up to sprint with us in August. And that was actually when I was having lung surgery. So it gave me an awful lot of energy when I wasn't really feeling brilliant actually to see that sprint connecting lots of people with career development was a very positive thing. So I think that's probably part of why I was like, oh, I like doing that experiment. But also it just kind of re-energized me about, oh, what could we do with this podcast? And so to Sarah's point, how does an experiment that you've done this year make you think about what you're going to do next year? We have got a workshop in January where we are going to be thinking about, oh, like what could we do with the podcast next year to make it even more useful for people, even more relevant for their role. So by the way, if you've got any ideas, email us. Yeah. But um, it's just, I think it's just given me the confidence to sort of play around with the format a little bit to, to sort of bring something new to people with the podcast. I have quite mixed feelings about that experiment because I think the outcome of it was very positive, you know, in terms of it made learning last, it created a community, lots of things that we were trying to do. It's also quite interesting, I think, as a reflection, how much energy experimenting takes Mm. because I really remember the conversation that we had which was oh maybe we pause the podcast you know in August you're having lung surgery a lot has been happening I think at that point in the year I was really feeling it I think you know the sort of the yeah everything was feeling quite overwhelming and we went from we might pause the podcast to we're going to do 20 episodes I've got some very distinct memories of that day and finding that very difficult when we were trying to do a lot you know, when you talk about being conflicted, I still can't decide if it was the right thing or not, because I think I get that the experiment worked, but I think it tipped me like right to the edge to the extent where I was like, it's the first time I think I've ever felt like almost, oh, I'm going to have to, we were recording uh, those sprints. I was thinking, oh, I wonder if anyone notices if they listen back. Some of those sprints we recorded on a day where I nearly felt, I was like, I'm just going to have to go home. I don't think I can keep doing this. And I think I just about found my way through it, but I'm not sure how good it was for me. Mm. So I always think it's quite, it's quite an interesting one. That's something I always find quite hard to work out is like, oh, but I want to do the thing. Mm. I want to do the experiment, but you know, and you're like, but at what, at what cost? So I just think it's just worth when you're, I think experiments are incredibly useful because they give you, it's like permission to fail. You have a clear hypothesis. You can do things quickly. And we did all of those things. But I think it is just also recognising, sometimes I wonder if there's a right time for experimenting. Yes, I, don't, I yeah, totally agree with that. I also think it's really interesting. Sarah and I are very different. And most of the time, it's actually quite complimentary. So I'm a doer, Sarah's a thinker. There are times I think under pressure when it is not complimentary, mm. which is under pressure. We basically I, stopped talking to each other that well, day. Well, <laughs> well like, but under pressure, you go cancel stop things yeah. like you're like do less stop it yeah. don't do any more and under pressure I go go faster do more yeah and so if I think like well, years ago we did our TED talk and we were like kind of come up we were under pressure to like come up with an yeah. idea and what was my one like let's do a hundred ideas oh, in 80 yeah, minutes you, know you were like we're, we're gonna do an idea a minute for like the, and I was just like no Sarah's like we're just not gonna do a TED talk yeah. no we're just not gonna do it we should just stop doing this right now and I'd be like no what we're gonna do is cram more. more ideas than anyone has ever done into a TED talk and it's just interesting I think in those and almost I feel like someone has to win it's a very hard thing because yeah. we either stop or yeah, you I can't push have it forward both ways. you can't have it but and 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 so 
uh, I mean, I wouldn't position it like that to me if I were you, because I'm like, well, then, I mean, I hate the idea of losing. So if you're like, oh, so <laughs> if you're like, oh, so you're basically telling me in that situation I lost, I'm like, hmm, interest, interesting. But many people gained, many thousands of people gained. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that would be the good, I'm not sure that would be good positioning for me. I suppose maybe what you could do, it's so hard to do though, isn't it? You know, in those moments, it's so hard to spot, is you could say, well, like, is there a middle ground? Mm. You know, like the, we're sort of assuming there isn't a middle ground, but there probably would have been. You know, we probably still could have done a sprint that was fewer days. Mm. You know, we probably could have said, maybe we do a sprint, but it's 10 days, not 20. And that could have made quite a big difference. So yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's a hard one to resolve, isn't it? One gremlin that you have kept caged. Mm, I liked this question. I like the ones that I could answer easier. And for people that might be new to the podcast, when we talk about gremlins, this is confidence gremlins. So kind of beliefs that hold you back, almost like the negative narrative that you sometimes carry into your work, which is a gremlin that you have, have kept caged. This was one actually that made me feel proud. I think when you think about caging gremlins, you feel good about yourself. So when you're thinking about this, if you're listening, like hopefully this will make you feel kind of positive about your progress, even though it's always hard to cage gremlins. So I had numbers and money gremlin. So I feel like this year I've taken a lot more accountability and responsibility around lots of things to do with like numbers and money, essentially. Mm. And so the way that that shows up, I try to be really specific. I feel more confident asking questions. I feel more confident asking people for what I need to make sure that I understand. So things like writing stuff down really helps me. And also I feel less apologetic about sometimes you know my lack of capability so I think previously I would have been like I'm not good at this and this is sort of my problem whereas what I have seen is that actually by just asking the questions not being afraid to do that sometimes they're useful Hmm. not always sometimes I just don't know and I just need some help but I have seen examples where I'm like that is a good question Sarah and actually you know like that thing about you're starting from scratch, you don't really know, and perhaps you don't understand, taking people back to basics is useful. And so I feel I feel a lot less sort of apologetic about my lack of ability in that area and more like, well, no, this is, like, I, I can be useful and I can keep that gremlin caged in a way that I think I've never felt before. And I think your questions actually are more, more than taking back to basics. I've definitely seen you ask some very direct questions because of, I don't know, I don't know, what uh, more of an interest or more of a confidence, I don't know, but that have spotted things that other people haven't. So not just about going back to basics, actually like a question that actually other people haven't haven't thought or spotted. So it's really, really useful. I've definitely seen it. I've definitely seen it. It's all really hard, like, right? Like everyone listening, you should know that like, it's always effort, mm. you know, for me. I, I always am still sort of having those conversations thinking, I'd rather not. <laughs> you know, when you're like, you know, because um, going into your courage zone or... You know, really staying in like learning, a deep breath moment, learning mindset. Like, Here I just go. think, oh God, I can't really, I can't really be bothered. Uh, and it all, it does always take a lot of like, but you know, it's sort of, you know, it's worth it. What about you? I think I have a sort of a confidence gremlin about, it's sort of like a success related one, which in my head for a long time, I've gone like leading is succeeding. And I'll come back to the conflict with this because being CEO doesn't really help over the business. But like I've had like leading is succeeding. So my corporate career, like I wanted to lead the team. I've wanted to, you know, lead the drive forward, all that kind of stuff. And I think, and therefore, if I'm not leading, I'm not succeeding. What I think I've got better at is almost reframing in my mind 
that listening is how I help other people succeed. So leading is succeeding has sort of been quite a selfish sort of mantra. You know, Mm. if I lead, I succeed. Whereas I think I've sort of caged that gremlin and gone, well, actually, if it's not about you leading, what if you don't need to lead? What if you don't need to be the person who runs that thing or drives that discussion or makes things that, that things happen? And actually, what if the role that you play is in listening and asking questions and sort of not taking a back seat because that sounds really negative but what I've really tried to consciously do is let other people lead a situation and it might be you it might be you in a meeting it could be someone else in a meeting but I think even even in our business two years ago I would have been like well what's the point of me being in this meeting I've added absolutely no value I almost would have felt quite defensive like if I'm not co-leading or leading then what's the point of me being here or I feel like I've contributed less or all that kind of stuff whereas I think now I can sit in silence much more comfortably in a meeting. And I do not think that affects the quality of my contribution. I think before I would have gone, if I haven't said as much or if I haven't done as much as other people, then that doesn't reflect well on what I'm bringing to this discussion. But I kind of go, do you know what? I don't need to. And maybe I don't need to. And also it's not the most valuable thing to do. Like I can sit... And I and I have measured this. So I have measured. Of course, of course, I have. I have used AI to measure the percentage that oh, I have I talked remember, in a yeah. meeting and that the extent to which other people talk in meetings. And I, it's made me realise that you do not have to. You can lead in different ways. Whereas I think my confidence gremlin before used to be like leading as the person that sets the direction for the discussion, leading as the mm. person that you know always doing it in the same way. Whereas I think I'm trying to lead in different ways lead by listening a lot lead by supporting other people more and not not feeling like success is always me filling that space which is quite a different different way of me approaching it yeah and I I have definitely noticed that your listening talking ratio has changed Mm. I I really see you you're much quieter in a meeting what's interesting is that you still manage to be energetic you know like you still bring energy you also create a lot of clarity because I think where you add value as a, as a leader is in creating clarity and I don't think creating clarity always comes from talking the most I suspect the more you listen the more clarity you can create mm. so you know maybe that's a different way of thinking about it as well and I really see like you're, you're so good at that you know conversations can go in different directions and we could be like talking around something and it's not that you're going that's not useful because we often need to have those conversations but then you are good at going this is what's most important now, or these are the questions that we most need to answer, or just make sure we don't miss things along the way. I'm not good at it ever. I can think about some meetings where I'm bad at it. I still, I still <laughs> lead by leading in a traditional yeah. way, and I'm like, oh, I wonder why. So something yeah. to reflect on a little bit more. Should we talk mistakes? Let's do it. And mis- so uh, one mistake we've made and what did we learn? And we actually do have a mechanism for this in Amazing If, which you might have heard us talk about before. So we use mistake moments. So when you make a mistake, ideally that day, you share that mistake with everybody in the company, which always feels a bit like, oh. <laughs> you don't overplay the mistake. We don't want to magnify them in our minds. What we do talk about is what did we learn? And I do find having some sort of if and then thing like if I make a mistake then I share that mistake with everyone a I think you're just so much more likely to learn from them because you're you're looking you're looking for the learning straight away but also for somebody like me as a thinker it does help me to move on from them faster and I also quite enjoyed doing a little search I bet you did the same on teams mistake moment did you not I didn't I was like looking because I was like oh I don't want to have recency bias because I think we did that in the podcast recently so I was like 
Oh, I really wanted to think about it. So what was your mistake? Well, I've got three. I'm going to do them really quickly because I know this podcast three. can't go for I know, I know you said one, but, but I've got one silly one, but really bothered me. Oh, yeah? Getting my hair cut short at the start of the year. Hello, that's no, not a real no, mistake. No, it is because the reason... To it did really bother it you. It did really bother me. But the reason it was a mistake was because I was like overly influenced by the opinion of my mother you know you're like I'm supposed to be a grown-up and my mum's opinion about my appearance affected me so I was like that's a mistake like don't don't bring like child I'm glad the hair's gone long again yeah the hair's long again to my my other ones sticking with learning so there are two things two learning moments this year that I could have I could have made last better that's really bad English but basically (laughs) could have stuck a bit better so um we did mental first aid training and that was an investment of time and I think you know I've not gone back to that I've not thought about what am I doing differently as a result of that training? And I think I should go back to that and, and do that. Mm-hmm. Also, Sarah and I did a meditation course, <laughs> the timing of which was not ideal for some of the things we've talked about. But I haven't stuck at that. I've been in, I still do it, but inconsistently. And I feel like, oh, that was quite a big investment. It was quite a big commitment. And it definitely resonated with me more than Sarah. And I feel like I want to do it more. That's the thing. And yeah. I, ha- I need to find time. So I feel like well, I should have stuck at that. You then, messaged me this morning. Oh, I'm meditating. And I was like, is that this just because we're doing the podcast yeah. so you can say that you've done it? I also forgot my headphones on the train. And I was like, okay, I've got 20 minutes before I get oh, to my okay. bones. Great, great. That's the amount of time you're supposed to meditate for. And then my other one was I feel like I've dropped my reading days. That was a mistake this year. And that is definitely something I could do different. So reading days for me are like a dedicated day where I do not take, open my laptop and I I take a few books to a quiet place and I literally post-it note highlight and it really stimulates my thinking. Sarah, I think you are a much better continual reader than me. I find reading, I engage with it more when I'm kind of mm. like dedicated and I've dropped my reading days. So three mistakes for me. <laughs> there you go. We're supposed to do one. Mine was I worked on something. So we were working on um, a potential kind of collaboration project to write an article about something and I was working on it with somebody else so not with Helen and actually was enjoying it I was like you know opportunity to collaborate with someone different it was actually giving me almost like the process was giving me a lot of energy just to this person was very different to Helen but also very different to me and I was like oh this is just like fascinating and you know we sometimes don't get the chance to do those things very often the mistake I made is I realized it was something that Helen did need to be involved in but I involved her way too late and then it actually created like challenges in terms of it created a bit of friction for us, mm-hmm. which actually we have got better and better at sort of going, it's created friction, we fix it fast. Yeah. Actually yeah. acknowledge the friction. I think previously that would have been much harder. I felt really bad actually. I felt really bad in that moment, but I think I got past that much better. I could sort of let it go a bit better because I didn't like that I, I didn't like the idea of you not feeling involved when you wanted to be. And usually, you know, when you're like it feels unusual. Because 90% of the time, I sort of back our judgment. You know, like we, we know when to involve each other. We know what that looks like. Where I think, you know, we talked about the learning from mistakes. This is where I think mistake moments are, are really helpful. Is more, it prompted us both to ask the question, okay, well, what did we learn from that? And actually, it was just being about really explicit where we do need to be together. Like, where are we better together? Where most of the time... Is it kind of okay? Because we often do have to progress things individually. And I do think it's quite funny. I do really remember for like about two weeks, we both got a bit intense with each other being like, oh, do you want to be involved in this? Do you want... And I remember you being like, do you want to be involved in this? It's like, no. Like, I never want to be involved really um, in most things. And then I think we were both a bit like, oh, because we were sort of surprised by, it. you know, sometimes when you're surprised by something, then I think you sort of go the opposite direction. And then I think we just actually refound our flow and went, oh, actually, do you know what? It's just that anything in these three areas are so strategically important to us, we've both got to be involved. 
And if we're not, you've got to say it out loud. So actually, there is something we're working on at the moment where you're taking much more of a lead and it would be strategically important. But the difference is we've had the conversation to go, okay, we actually physically both don't have the time to do this, but we feel okay about it. So you've sort of flagged it, you know, like the fast flag. And so that was just memorable for me because I think I was actually felt really pleased with how we both learned from it and move forward fast, which is not something I always find easy to do. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, one win outside of work. Have we got any wins outside of work? Um, yes. Well, I was trying to work out, is this outside of work? Oh, go on. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is EY, Ernst Young Winning no. Women? Is that, oh, that, okay. Okay. I mean, you're going to have to what, say, uh, so, say what that is um, now. But... I won a place on Ernst Young's Women Women programme, which is exciting. Is that not outside of work? No, absolutely not. Okay. Marketing Society Fellowship, is that outside of work? No. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, something outside of your... I had a lot of parties this year and I've loved them. Well, there you go. That's... That's better. Okay, great. What's yours? My whim was, so I have always been good at walking. So walking to take a break, walking to clear my brain, um, you know, just like random walks. But I've my exercise has sort of been limited to that for like the past couple of years. Whereas this year, I have discovered new exercise in doing something called reformer Pilates, which is like with a machine, essentially, and kind of bar Pilates, which is actually just in incredibly hard and feels like a hit class but I've really committed to that and in most weeks I've done one or two classes and I think that has really helped me this year you know when you just somebody said to me actually it's almost like not the positive endorphins you get from exercise that matters it's what you're missing when you don't exercise you know almost like it's kind of like the opposite that's the problem is that and I think I have just seen and reminded myself this year that actually doing some exercise that you broadly enjoy I'm, sort of, I'm always a bit scared of one of the classes because it's quite hard. But you know that you broadly enjoy. I just always feel so much better. And I think my brain is better. I think my work is better. And I've sort of, when I first had my little boy, Max, I ran, did some running for a bit, which I hate. But I did it because that was the only exercise I could do. Then I think actually, funnily enough, the happier I got, the less exercise I did. <laughs> but, but in terms of like my general life. But now I think I'm at a point where I'm like, well, I can, 
I can fit some exercise into my week, but you've got to choose to do it in a way that works. And I don't think walking quite counts. I think I walk for different reasons, not really for exercising. And you know, the whole like body mind connection, I sort of do believe that that matters. And so it's just actually been quite a big part of my year. It's just, it wasn't there before. And I know I've even got a little bit, dare I say, of community. Oh as in like, gosh. I know the founder of the studio. She does it as like a side squiggle. She's got a day job. I recognize some of the people and like, I don't know. It has a quite... Very anti-Sarah. She made some connections with I people. I know, which does feel, yeah, this is what's happening to me. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't like it. Um, so it's not quite as anonymous as I would usually go for, but um, I think it's been really good for me. I feel like exercise is quite a Sarah feature. I, one of my defining memories of Sarah when we first... Actually, it was way before we were friends, because I was like, I'm never going to be friends with you, was we, uh, <laughs> when we were at university, sure. within our first like week or two, we went on this, like... What was like a retreat to all get Awful. to know each other better? <laughs> Which was mainly like, I mean, it was mainly for like socialising and drinking and having fun. But I just remember there was this like first day or two when some people decided to go for this random run. I remember thinking, and Sarah was, and you were like, I just remember you going off. There was there was you and there was Claire. I remember yeah. you. And then there was some other people and you went off for this run. And I was, I was like, that's crazy. We could be all like drinking. drinking. But I mean, that that is still, that is still the reality of like the things that we probably choose to do in groups of people. But yeah, I do feel like exercise is a feature, a feature of you. So when it's not there, you know, when you're not doing netball or you're not doing yeah. something, there's, not a good reason why like there's something going on there's too much work or you're too yeah and you know and you realize you're like oh I've sat at my desk all day and then all night you know mm. almost like a yes with some breaks in between but I think that's such an easy trap to fall into and you know the whole like blurred boundaries thing and I love working in such a flexible way and that can sometimes end up showing up as just working all the time mm. and I think it's it stopped me from doing that a moment that was memorable. I went through my diary for this. I did, but I, I was like, oh, I wonder if we'll have the same one. I went with 10 Downing Street. Me too. Oh! <laughs> because also, how often do you go to 10 Downing Street? I I'd forgotten about it, though. Oh, so no, I, was, I hadn't, because that's I was, where I met Pinky, who came uh, on the podcast. Well, I was, cause I was like, I, you know, it is recency bias. So I had to go through my diary start of the year, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that was... Amazing. And, and we and thought memorable. it was a scam. Yeah. So we got this letter um, saying, we'd like to invite you to Downing Street. I think it was like International Women's Day, wasn't word it? Word document. It was a word document. With like a It didn't look that official. Clip art, a clip I honestly saw it and I was like, okay, well, what, that's not a real thing. I, I Googled the phone number to make sure that it wasn't like going to ask us for money. And I was like, no, it does look like the Downing Street's dashboard number. Like, and it's one of those things where you're like, it's not really a real thing. And it's not like a... You know, like, I think there are other things that I feel much prouder of, but I think it's so... The fact we got to do it together, yes. I think, matters to me. And it feels really unique. It and it's iconic. Timing. It was, it was we probably needed it yeah. in that moment in our year. Because it was March, I want to say March. Because, of was, course, it was International Women's Day, yeah, so it would have been yeah. March. So I was like, probably quite good timing for us. And it was just one of those things where you're like, oh, this is something unexpected that just makes you feel good because you'd been sort of selected because you were running a female business, I think. And we got to meet some interesting people and we just got to... I, my favourite bit was, like, we actually got to take a picture outside the door and I was like, I never like having my picture taken, but that picture, I was like, that feels like it a really special funny. moment. I remember it was really rainy day. It was really well. it was rainy, really yeah. Rainy. <laughs> was... We saw Rishi Sunak for, like, five minutes. He came yeah. in and sort of did his thing and met some really interesting women yeah. who ran loads of, like, interesting companies. So, yeah, it was just one of those things where you're like... I like the kind of unexpected stuff along the way that we get to do. An example of when you've learnt a lot. 
Go on, you go first. So I think it's a, bit, it's a little bit hard to talk about this one because there's some things we can't say yet, some things that are coming next year. But there was a writing thing that we were doing this year um and so I'll try and do it without without giving too much away Sarah and I were thinking oh we'd like to write another what I'll say is the big book another kind of big book like Squiggly and like You Coach You we really care about making books useful and unique and so we were trying to really find the idea I think on reflection we were trying to force the idea we were going back and forth over lots of notes and lots of whatsapps and should we write about this and should we write about that and it wasn't quite clicking And then what we did was another writing project, soon to be released, where which was much more creative without any pressure. And it was Sarah and me, I mean, being together in her garden. And this project without the same amount of pressure felt more fun and it felt more creative. And as a result of that process, we kind of unexpectedly came up with the idea for the next big book. All of this will be revealed very soon, everybody. I'm sorry, I can't be more specific. But the thing that I learned was when you are trying to force ideas it often doesn't work and putting yourself in a creative space without the pressure you know we often talk about play and actually just Sarah and my brains getting together with just a oh what if and how could we and have you seen this I feel like that's just where the good stuff comes and so what I learned was I think that taking the pressure away is important sometimes and just having space to play and putting our brains together on something and just sort of seeing where it gets us but without us always having to come up with the best idea finding time for that I think is important for how we support squiggly careers well mine is actually a bit of a combination of that question and the next one which is one person who's made a difference to your development so I've actually combined both of those two together so over the past year I'm definitely somebody who during the pandemic I wasn't quite as good at creating connection and building a network in a way that works for me partly because I think we were my excuse and I think it is a bit of an excuse would have been oh we were really trying to run our business and it was growing and so I, I think in hindsight I was quite head down you know and was like what do we need to do to make amazing if work and amazing and sort of was much less about kind of building relationships beyond the ones that we kind of needed right now and so over the last year I've really tried to make more of an effort to think about well, who am I learning from? Spending time with some different people in different places. And so I've learned a lot over the last year where I go to these very informal, so it works really well for me, it's not too formal, very informal dinners, which are usually in just an office that belongs to one of the people who comes along. And it is six to eight people who all run their own companies, similarish size to us. Most of them are actually probably a little bit bigger. They probably all have a little bit more experience than we have. But everybody just rocks up with some food and we just sort of like order something for like delivery. But there's a little bit of an agenda, which I also really like. This this appeals to me on all sorts of levels. It's informal, it's six to eight people. They're all sort of smart, sparky people. And then there's some questions to guide the discussion, which get agreed beforehand. So someone will start and just be like, what's on everyone's mind? And then you end up with this kind of three to five questions. And everybody takes it in turn to host. And I hosted one this year. And it would have been really easy for me to not do that. There's no pressure to do it. And also, we don't have an office. And I was a bit like, oh, I need a space. But I was like, okay, I'm not going to let that stop me. And I've got a friend who has a brilliant business called Kaleido that makes delicious food. I was like, I saw her Kaleido rolls in Harrods at the weekend. I know, I know. Great. Um, And so we ordered her food and we got everyone together. And I think... I have learned a lot from spending time with those people because sometimes what's on their mind is not on our mind. And I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. Should it be? Or is it just different dynamics? And I think that group of people have made a difference to my development because they've encouraged me to see Amazing If differently, to ask different questions, 
maybe to think further ahead because I think because they are almost like slight they are all further ahead really in terms of stage and age and ambition and like where they are it's made me question well what does that mean for us for now and would we want to do something similar or would it look just very very different so yeah that's just been it's just been a really good experience and I've prioritized it made time for it for the whole year it's something I always really look forward to which I think is a good sign Mm. and I, I do like the sort of the it all feels very sort of supportive but also closed so I never worry about you know what you're going to share I just feel like everyone is there to support everybody else to succeed and there's just some really interesting conversations so I'm very that's something I'm kind of really grateful for and I just feel like I've learned a lot through those conversations again I have three I'm not sure about three well because my first one feels like a bit of a cop-out but I think it's uh, it's really you have made a difference in my development and I know and I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out because obviously you have but you really have and I think this year in particular Sarah has many talents but I think like tenacity commitment you know your ability to work across multiple things with the same level of energy like you often you often say that about me but I've seen it so much in you this year your your drive for completing things and your tenacity to improve things and make it better I've just seen on countless times and I think it's just made me think oh when could I be more like that? Or how could I be more like that? I think you just set a very, very high bar. You do, you do, you do. It's it's very, you cannot not develop yourself when you work with Sarah because you set a very high bar that always makes you think, oh, how do I keep contributing? What am I adding to this situation? So I think that that feels like a bit of a cop-out one because we work together, but I think I wanted to acknowledge it. The other two, one is also kind of the network that I'm part of. So I want to kind of give a shout out to Gemma, a friend, Gemma Greaves, who runs a network called Cabal, which is a social network, less that we don't have an agenda like Sarah's. Um, But there are often often a good fit for our respective personalities. They are. But I have found that very fueling. So I have more energy for the work that Sarah and I do because I'm part of that community. Because if I've had a hard day or there's been a lot on and I might feel quite tired, I feel re-energised by spending time in that community that that Gemma has created. So that's definitely made a difference to my development. And then one other person, uh, which is a bit more kind of recent really, is Aviva Wittenberg-Cox. Oh, she's so great. She is really great. So she's made a difference to my development both because I really admire her expertise in the area that she works on so sort of she's talking about sort of longitudinal leadership Mm. and kind of generational diversity in organizations I just find it it's making me think differently about the work that we do but also just how she works I think is very interesting she is very generous she is very sharing in terms of her platform so she writes for Forbes for example and she's very giving Mm. in terms of how can I use my platform to support your work also what was the first thing she said when she met us together Oh, I don't know what she said. Do you not remember? So probably something that, well, it makes you smile. So it's something that's making you quite smug. What what was it? So I think you had already met her. I had a lovely lunch with her. It was great. And then we were together and we met her at an event that we'd invited her to speak at for us. And she met me and she was like, oh, Sarah, the better half? I, was I, mean, like, I absolutely love it. She's also just charming. <laughs> she's I, very I charming. Call, I wouldn't bank that as <laughs> And factual. I was just like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's she's brilliant. And I think we're going to be talking to her on her podcast in the new year. We are. I'm very excited. So one knot that you want to untangle in 2024. So we have started as a team sharing our knots. So we describe it as what's not working for you. And already, I think that has been really productive. Even just by, we just have a Miro board that we use across the whole team. Even by everyone just sort of saying them and sharing them and then we sort of did a session where everyone just sort of 
very briefly and succinctly describe their knots. I think people have individually just made more progress or they've teamed up to sort of do some untangling. And then we did one session together where we were like getting our brains together to try and untangle some of the knots. And that seemed to work really well. So I really want to keep that momentum going around knots because funnily enough, it actually can feel very positive and optimistic because actually untangling is a good thing. Mm. It might, you might start off feeling a bit negative because you're like, oh, look at all these knots. But then you're like, but not if you make progress on them. So what's a knot that you want to untangle? Too many knots. Well, one that I've mentioned already is like the, the um, reading days because that, yeah, that okay. has not worked for me this year and I find it really important. This one is like, it's just really boring. Um, knots are boring though, right? Like Quite a lot. Not- so how I manage my to-do lists has gone a bit wrong this year. It has <laughs> not worked for me. And it's because I've got like, I've got post-it notes, I've got a notebook, I've got Microsoft planner things, they're all over the place, and that's just not worked. And I used to be so much better. You with, were, with the old, I remember the Filofax yeah, days. Filofax, I used to have this, years ago, this thing called Beezy, this app that probably doesn't exist yet, which used to have like quadrants from my, I used to have a system that worked for me. And some, I don't know why, but I've lost my system. And so for me, I think I would just feel a bit more focused and I think I would feel better at the end of the day and I would feel better at the end of the week if I sorted out that knot. So that's my... I cannot believe that we have pretty much the same knot. Oh, really? Which no is way. quite unusual for us. I, I wouldn't have expected that. Your to-do that. list. Your to-do list is a knot. Well, yeah, I have... It's not just my to-do list. It's my to-do list. It's my notes. It's my thoughts. It's everything. I think... brain. Yeah. Is your brain not working? Well, I think it does work, but I feel it also scatters. It's quite scattered is the word. So I want, to, my knot is like, I think I am too scattered and then I think stuff gets missed along the way. So as a very practical example, I did realise yesterday, I currently have three notebooks on the go. Yeah. And I'm like, just stupid. I sort of got angry at myself. I'm like, this is really stupid. I know, and I'd be like, maybe if I buy a nicer notebook. I'm like, no, Helen, that's yeah. not the solution. And I was like, so, and also I lost some notes. So I often scribble stuff down on like um, big old post-its that we use for our sessions because they are there. And then I put those in the bin. And then I'm like, oh, well, now I've lost. I actually needed that bit because actually maybe it had some other stuff on, but it actually had something I needed. And so I get mad at myself and I get frustrated. And also then it takes up like, energy you know you have those like i mean i actually watch them but like the tv programs aren't they like the declutterers the home declutterers that like come in with their like boxes and stuff i feel like i want like somebody to do that for like my to-do list and productivity i think part of it also comes from like trying out tech yeah i agree and And i don't want to distracted by i don't want to stop like trying out tech so actually the miro board for example for the knotty moments has worked really well and we haven't lost anything there because we sort of all agreed to do it in that way i think it's my own system and we've talked about as a company oh should everybody do the same thing I'm quite anti that because I do feel like everyone needs to create the system that works for them and everyone's creating actions for each other it's, it's, it's a complicated but it's thing. a but it's a it's a tricky thing to get right and you're like well like I can think of about three actions that I need to tell you about today and then I'm like well, what do I do do I just talk to you well there is a clear even though our solution might be different our system and our solution might be different we should probably talk about it together given Mm. how inter interrelated and and we've got the same the same knot well imagine if i always think imagine if whatsapp goes down like would our business just die (laughs) because sometimes we make quite important decisions via whatsapp we do we do um so yeah we'll move on from that one and we thought we would finish, if you're still with us by this point. I do sometimes wonder if these podcasts are 
just a way of us having a conversation at the end of the year. I mean, it um, really is a look behind the scenes, isn't it? it really is. <laughs> None of our other podcasts are like this. Usually, by the way, I mean, if this is your first listen, I'm like, mm, it's not that reflective of the other podcasts, which are more practical and to the point, probably. <laughs> um, but to final question, a high energy opportunity or learning that you're looking forward to next year? The thing that I mentioned that apparently was a win I'm not allowed to have because it was work-related, the EY winning women thing, we have got a moment where that whole community is coming together in Istanbul in April, and I'm so excited. I've had a couple of like meetings with the women in that community, and I feel lifted by them, lifted by their energy, lifted by their ambition. I don't think I have a network like that of ambitious women doing brilliant things all over the world, and I'm really excited to learn from them and be energized by them and bring back all that energy into our business. Mine is we are creating a community to test our ideas with in the first half of next year. Some ideas for the big book thing that Helen sort of half mentioned, which uh, we'll share very soon. And also I'm like, we just, we're not allowed to say it out loud. It's also not that exciting, is it? It's very exciting for us. I know, but you know, when you're like, it's not like we're making, it's not like a strictly announcement, like who's going to be on Strictly this year or whatever. Um, (laughs) It's a squiggly announcement. It's a squiggly (laughs) announcement. And I think we've not for a while, and I think I miss creating things from scratch, like ideas from scratch, models from scratch, that then you can test in a workshop environment and people and you can sort of see very quickly, oh, that one just didn't stick, didn't seem to work for people. It got, oh, people got a bit confused. That sometimes happens. Oh, but this one feels really memorable. And then that gives you a lot of confidence to build on it. And it's sort of how Amazing If started. And I often think it is as at our best. You know, when we sort of go, we need to create a way to help people get feedback faster. And then we're like, right, okay, well, that's the problem we're trying to solve what about this? What about that? What about this? And we're going to create this kind of high learning community. And I'm just really excited to do something that is sort of designed to be very work in progress. That's all about learning. It's all about testing ideas. And I think if you sometimes don't have a forcing function to make those things happen, the risk is you end up a bit too much on repeat. And I see that sometimes where, you know, you've got a lot going on and you're like, oh, we're sort of doing the same again. And I always want to feel like we are kind of pushing into more useful, better, continual improvement, which is probably how you were describing me when you were like, <laughs> relentless, a high basically. <laughs> relentless slash high bar, um, which I think you described it quite nicely. And I was like, is she basically just saying I'm relentless? But um, that's a conversation for another day, right? <laughs> so we hope you have found that interesting. Is that mm. interesting? I don't I mean, know. It's been very real, everybody. <laughs> You've really heard what's been going on in our worlds and our lives over the last 12 months. To make it useful, though, there are a set of questions there which will hopefully be useful for your reflection. And we would really recommend that you have this as a conversation with somebody else because it is just interesting to hear what's going on in someone else's head and what's been going on in someone else's world. And I think it deepens your reflection and creates a bit more clarity as well. So we'll put all those questions on the pod sheet so that you can maybe print that off and fill it in as you go. And if you you have any feedback for us on what has been useful or helpful for you this year or any memorable moments from listening to the squiggly careers podcast please let us know we are helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com thank you all so much for listening in 2023 and we'll be back with you again soon bye for now mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 